Welcome to allthingsnew.tech, where we are exploring the intersection of theology and technology. Technology is changing our jobs, relationships, and even our identities. It's easy to get excited about all the new things. But as Christians, we also believe that God is redeeming this world through His effort, making all things new. This podcast features conversations with entrepreneurs, technologists, and innovators, examining how technology transforms our understanding of God, His creation, and what it means to be human. Today, Paul Taylor from All Things New is talking with Jason Lee, the Vice President of the NEM Foundation. This group oversees a technology protocol for blockchain. Their technology is used for many different cryptocurrencies, as well as other applications. Paul and Jason will be talking about the importance of blockchain and the rise of cryptocurrencies. They'll start by getting a basic understanding of the technology involved before discussing what their theological implications might be. What does our desire for privacy and anonymity say about us? How is blockchain both a tool to allow for transparent truth, as well as hiding the full truth? As central banks consider implementing a cryptocurrency, how would that change our lives? Jason believes that we are just at the beginning of how significant blockchain will become. We hope you enjoy this conversation. All right. Well, this is Paul Taylor. I'm here with allthingsnew.tech, and I'm sitting down with Jason Lee, who is here from Melbourne, Australia. Jason is the vice president for the NEM Foundation, a blockchain and cryptocurrency agency. He recently made the Forbes 30 Under 30 list for Asia in 2018. He's co-founded several companies. His expertise is in blockchain and cryptocurrency. He's also involved in the Lausanne movement around the area of technology. So he's got a lot of interesting things to talk about. I'm really glad to have the chance to sit down with you, Jason. So thanks for being here. Yep. Thanks, Paul. It's an honor to be here from uh, Melbourne, Australia, all the way in San Francisco right now, talking to you in person. Yeah, I'm glad to have been introduced to you. Why don't we start just kind of you introducing yourself and telling your story and a little bit about how you got into technology and specifically how you started working in the field of blockchain. Great. So I grew up in an environment where my family was quite keen on the latest in technology. I I grew up in the 90s and 2000s and uh, my dad would be looking at the latest phones and the latest cameras. And and in fact, my um, late grandfather used to be able to to access the latest radio and black and white and colored television as well. So I guess I I came in the next generation and was very interested around the technology with myself. And um, But I did something really traditional. I studied law. I did a master's of international business, then landed into banking, uh, through a graduate program. Uh, but over the years, the entrepreneurial spirit took over and I went into um, financial technology. And this was in Malaysia. This, this was in Malaysia. Grew up. grew up in Kuala Lumpur for a large part of my life. Yeah. And then um, I got married in 2016 and uh, with my lovely wife, she had uh, an open door to work in uh, Melbourne, Australia. So for the last couple of years, I've been in Australia and that was when I um, literally went head first into the world of blockchain and huh. cryptocurrency. So it's a, it's quite a, an interesting journey, a bit of a twist and turn, but yeah. it is a, a journey that I, I, I'm here by God's grace and I'm happy to be here as well. Yeah. So tell me about kind of from a, law, from a legal background, getting thrust into the world of blockchain and cryptocurrency, how did that transition go? Was that, did, did it immediately make sense to you or did you have a big learning curve or what was that like? Oh, it, it was a big learning curve, um, but it, it's a good learning curve. Um, there's a book 
named Range by David Epstein, which talks about how one comes from a generalist position and through a series of twists and turns, you, you find your field that you could truly put your laser focus in. Interesting. And I think that there is a link through the start of my um, studies in law all the way to where I am right now. Yeah. And, and this is something that would make sense for most people as well potentially in the technology space as they look at where their background had lead them to where they are. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So what do you do with the NEM Foundation in terms of blockchain? Tell me a little about your role. So my role now as, as the vice president is a role of governance and operations to the NEM blockchain protocol. So uh, we support the development of the NEM blockchain protocol where as part of the technology has a number of applications and use cases on what we do and one of it is the zem cryptocurrency which is the most popular use case uh, but our main focus is into real world applications so that it includes using blockchain in the supply chain in financial services in a lot of myriad of areas where uh, blockchain technology would be useful hmm. So we're going to be talking a little bit about blockchain and cryptocurrency. So let's kind of get everyone up to speed. I had to do this yes. yesterday and <laughs> ask you to give me kind of a primer on all of this stuff. So let's kind of start from zero and what help us understand what blockchain is, why it's so significant, what some of its uses are, all of that. Okay, so I guess to give an illustration with um, the All Things New listeners here, um, if you could go back to the days of uh, Moses and the Ten Commandments, and he would be inscribing the the commandments on the tablets. Yeah, and that essentially is a form of record keeping. Okay. You're keeping record of of something that you want people to read and understand and abide by. And this record had moved on through you know the the, the papyrus papers through the Gutenberg printing press, sure. and that's where you know the explosion of the Bible, and also then to where we are right now, which is using your online documents right. and, and storing them on the cloud. Right, right. <laughs> back now, to the cloud. Back From to the, the cloud. To the that's cloud. right. <laughs> and with blockchain, what happens is that it is a combination of a family of technologies that allows the the records to be immutable, to be um, transparent, and to be linked in a chronological order. And and what it means is that you can't uh, manipulate or hack that record altogether. So to give a simplified illustration, imagine if you record something on the cloud and someone actually hacks that recording. You can actually manipulate and tamper, especially in specifically in the financial services industry, sure. where of course when money comes into play, money can be hacked and funneled out, and that's quite dangerous. But with the use of technology, that record is recorded on multiple servers, potentially across the world, or we call them nodes. And when it's recorded on multiple servers and also encrypted, this allows for the recording to be secured. So mm. much so that if one record is um, it's compromised. You've got, for example, out of 199 records that still keep the information. Sure. And we're still in our early stages of um, blockchain technology, but it is growing mm. very fast. And the other aspect of that is that it's all encrypted, right? So there's cryptography as part of that. Not only is it duplicated, but it's encrypted so that it can't be read or I don't know. Ex- explain that a little bit. Yep. Yeah, so I guess a further illustration of cryptography is yeah. just think of 
the days during the war times where you've got a Morse code, you go, you know, what does that mean? That is an encrypted message from one location to another through a frequency. And this is the same thing as well. When something is sent through the blockchain, there's an encryption behind it that has a level of anonymity to it, but it is fully traceable and trackable as well. Yeah, yeah. So as we started thinking about this yesterday, uh, some of the themes that we started kind of thinking about was, and I I love that you used, you know, Moses's revelation from God as an example, because it seems that blockchain at its core is really interested in the preservation of truth. Mm, That's right. And uh, as Christians, we, we hold truth to be really important, that we want to know truth, we want to see truth prevail. And so blockchain is really in some ways connected to that. Um, Is that a perspective that people resonate with? I mean, talk about how truth relates to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. The word that is popularly used used in blockchain is the word trust. Trust. And and also a buzzword would be a source of truth. Okay. And, And the reason it is a source of truth is because block by block, the information would be chained together, and hence the word blockchain. Ah. And and that then links you to the Genesis information, ah. which becomes sort of what truth is to you, based on what someone says is, is the truth. And that sense of interconnectedness uh, becomes what is known as um, the layer of trust, huh. right? Or, or they call it the trust machine, or and how blockchain becomes that, that linking element to truth altogether. So the blockchain is a is a sequential idea. It's so, a sequential idea. So you right. start with something and then you have block by block and by by understanding the connections between those, the fact That's that right. they're all connected, you can get back to the original yes. the original source. And, and, and did you know we can actually learn something from the Bible as well? Because in the Gospels, the lineage of Jesus was linked. Right. See, from Jesus all the way to King David, for example, there was, you know, the son of who, son of who. Yeah. And that actually develops that oh. Wow, Jesus was linked to King David, which is also a beautiful tapestry of the Old and New Testament connecting right. each other. And and that's a bit like how the blockchain works as well. It is connected block by block through a chain, the blockchain. That's brilliant. So the 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 genealogical records are blockchain, basically. <laughs> you would say so, and, and verified by literally thousands of people um, in different parts of the world that verified the truth and the authenticity of the Bible. Right. And the purpose, I mean, that, that's a great illustration because the, the purpose of those, you know, we read those and we think this is w- what, what's going on here. But the purpose of that was to authenticate Jesus, to validate who he was and who his source was and who he came from. And so that's right. Um, that's really interesting. All right. So we have blockchain in the Bible. That's good. <laughs> yes. Yes. Who, who, who would have thought? Who would have thought? And it's uh it's replicated thousands thousands of times over, right? I mean, there's mm-hmm. copies of that those passages everywhere. Mm-hmm. That's really interesting. Um, so, so on the one hand, we have this you know the, the idea of blockchain is a source of truth, and uh, it's really interesting. You bring up trust, um, and you know there's so many rabbit trails we could go on there because there's so little trust I think in our culture today, mm-hmm. and. You know, from fake news to you just you hear somebody say something, you read something online and you have no idea. It just seems like everybody's lost faith in anything. And so everything seems politicized. Everything seems to take one side over the other. Um, So this idea that you have something that's trustworthy is fascinating. 
But then <clears throat> the other part of it that we talked about yesterday is the, that there's this cryptography. And so it, it's true, but it's anonymous. And so there's this transparency mixed with privacy. Talked a little bit about why is the anonymity part of this so important in the, from a technology perspective? Yeah, and it's always interesting. It's always in the uh, pre-podcast conversation where all these ideas come about. Yeah. Um, and with regards to the um, anonymity, it's really started off, I guess, before the blockchain protocol, what was popular was really uh, the application behind it, which was um, Bitcoin. And in fact, Bitcoin, the Bitcoin white paper was famously written on the 31st of October, 2009. So right. we're actually at the 10-year anniversary right now. Um, yeah. Uh, today being the, the first of November yeah, so in twenty nineteen, yeah, right. and the the whole concept of Bitcoin would be to have a you know peer to peer cashless transaction in the wake of the global financial crisis at a point of time where yeah. um, you could be a, you could conduct a transfer of value uh, in the absence of a middle person or a middle organization, right. and that was where the cryptography came about and the anonymity came about. Um, but what many people don't understand is that that even with that anonymity, um, it is still traceable and trackable. That means that information is still linked through a chain together of information through transaction hashes. So it's not fully anonymous. Sure. Yeah. But it's it's private, maybe is a better word than anonymous. Yes, that's right. It's private. Um, and I think that's what really interests me about the technology. I think one of the things that we tend to explore at all things new.tech is how technology both reflects who we are but it also then turns back and shapes us so we create something that reflects our values but then the values of the technology we create become our values as well and so it it strikes me that this is very much a cultural value that i want to trust things i want to be confident in the validity of something but i also want to be very private and I want it to not, um, you know, I don't want to be thrown in the public. I don't want to be known, but I want everything else to be transparent. Do you know what I mean? That's right. And, and it's actually very interesting. I'd like to get your thoughts as well. Yeah. You know, being a, a teaching pastor in, in Palo Alto here in the Silicon Valley, like what, what are your congregation and your members like in terms of their understanding of technology, obviously much more higher than the average person, but also the understanding of, of privacy and, and trust. Because yeah. everyone's getting a bit, you know, up in the air about it. Yeah, I think it's a great question. Um, you know, I've long thought that we that Christians need to do a little more thinking about the idea of privacy because there's this kind of it's a very big cultural value right now. And online, we want to be private. We want to make sure that our information is kept private, and we're kind of shooting ourselves in the foot by posting everything publicly, but then we want to be private and there's this, there's right. this conflict that we have. But as, as Christians, I think we, um, we believe in transparency. We believe in truth. And that's not to say that we ought to have no privacy, but uh, we also believe that things that happen in the dark tend to rot mm. and exposing things to light is usually a good thing, even if they're dark things, even if they're you know, we believe in confession. We believe in redemption and forgiveness. And so um, I don't think we've thought a lot about that. I think people um, are pretty, I think we're all just very kind of caught up in the contemporary cultural conversation around privacy. Um, but I suspect as Christians, there is a deeper layer that we could, that we could 
explore together. Mm. Yeah, and and the wisdom to tell the difference as well. Yeah, mm. yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so obviously, the one of the main uses of blockchain is cryptocurrency, um, and that's a big way that you, uh, you know, your technology is used. How have you seen cryptocurrency changing culture? You know, obviously, it's not risen yet to the level of everybody's using it, but it's, there's a, certainly a subset that uses it. And what tends to, how does cryptocurrency affect the people that use it? Mm, very interesting. Well, there have been movements along where people um, claim that they would like to live in a world where they would just spend their daily needs and expenses based on cryptocurrency. Yeah. And, and many have actually done that, which is quite interesting. Is that right? Yes. And, and the whole notion of essentially having the, the absent middleman is also very interesting. It's all peer-to-peer and, and really just being um, something where it is, a, it is just a transaction between person A and B without anyone else knowing itself, uh, but it recorded on a blockchain. Now, to give a perspective on cryptocurrency, uh, around the world right now, there are thousands of cryptocurrency out there and it is not regulated and it is essentially just a function of whether we believe in the usage of that cryptocurrency. Now, where that is regulated is in the area of cryptocurrency exchanges, where in order to convert your cryptocurrency into cash or dollars, you would have to go to an exchange and you would have to have been ID'd and, and there would be an element of uh, payment of taxes for it as well. Okay. Paying to Caesar what belongs to Caesar. Yeah, right. right? And, and that's what a number of governments have been doing across the, the world. And there also have been governments who said, hey, you know what, I'm banning cryptocurrency because I think it's a threat to the, the economy of a country and, and they prefer to do so in, in that way. So we, we have a very unique space right now in the world trying to understand where cryptocurrency um, stands and you've got a whole wide spectrum from a completely private cryptocurrency to uh, the discussion of central bank issued digital currencies right. where um, the government actually develops their own cryptocurrency and, and uses it for um, their services or for the public use. Yeah. Hmm. You know, talk, talk about this makes make me realize how I think rudimentary my understanding of economics is because even just the idea of a currency itself. I mean, to, I think to understand cryptocurrency, we have to say, what what is currency? I mean, currency is just a an idea that you assign value to. That's right. right? I mean, dollars don't have any real value, yep. um, but we say, okay, the, the dollar is worth this and I'll trade it for you for that. And so cryptocurrency is, is it seems at the heart of it, rather than, you, you, you keep saying you take out the middleman, rather than the government saying, I'm going to create these dollars and assign them values. It's just this, community like a crowdsourced value assumption that's right and i guess to the economist traditionally speaking it's, it's not exhaustive but the three major elements of a currency one is it being a a store of value so uh-huh. i like to keep us dollars because it has a value to it right it it has the potential to have transfer of value so i can transfer to to purchase an item that i would like to have uh-huh. and there needs to be an element of stability to it because if I'm going to pay a dollar for something today, it should still be worth a dollar tomorrow or a couple of years later. Right. Right. In a world where, where that dollar could be worthless sure. in a couple of years, and it has happened in a number of countries, hyperinflation. Yeah. Then the definition of currency becomes a bit up in the air and a question mark. 
Right. Right. So, so that is still being discussed right now across the world whether cryptocurrency are truly currencies that have that three elements store of value, transfer of value, and uh, an element of stability. Seems like it. the stability is the biggest question. <laughs> That's is, right. Is that right? I mean, yes. if somebody just decides, oh, I mean, everybody decides all together at the same time, let's just not care about this, mm-hmm. then it loses all of, all of its value. Yep. And, and we are, a lot of people have said that we are today. Um, in the world of blockchain to blockchain protocols is to where the internet protocol is to just the start of where it is. Uh, it was used from an academic perspective from universities to just share information. And then email was sort of formed in the 90s, early 2000s. And, right. and, I, and I'm, you may remember the days where we only went online just to check our emails. That's right. And then after that, it was just emails and social media. And now the internet is just a whole bunch of applications that you could use right um, like how I, I came on a ride share application here then yep. I could order food for food to come all through the internet altogether yeah it's the same way as blockchain as well there will be multiple applications uh, for it and we don't really understand how the internet works yeah and likewise we don't need to understand how um, you know cryptocurrency and blockchain works so so I would say to the listeners out there you don't need to be confused by cryptocurrency right. or bamboozled by blockchain sure. you just need to know that the outcome will lead to a life that would be you know more transparent um, m- with more integrity to it through the, the record keeping that it comes along with and, right. and I guess more convenience as well to the world it's like our plumbing right you don't really want to know right. where your water comes from you just care that it comes yep, yep. Um, or if it stops coming you need to fix it but the other thing that keeps striking me as we're talking um, just about blockchain and cryptocurrency and kind of how it reflects our cultural values is uh, maybe it's a little bit too extreme to say that it reflects a relativistic value, but you know, we're, you're, you're taking out the middleman. You're taking out instead of kind of having some authority figure who declares something to be true and then everybody believes it. You know, the government says this dollar is worth something and we all say, okay, that makes sense. Instead of having this central kind of authority figure, now it's just let's all agree among ourselves that this cryptocurrency has a value. And we, there's no, it's, it seems, you know, it's taking out the middleman of truth. Even it's taking out kind of the idea of a, of a, of an authority of truth and it's relegating truth to just be a communal exercise. Um, and, and that's interesting because is the middleman trusted, right? Is the middleman an organization, an individual that, that becomes that truth. Right. And, and we go back to the days of the tax collector, right? I'm the middleman. I collect your taxes. And right. even to back further to the days of the tabernacle where, where there would be a middleman where I would have to give my living sacrifice, uh-huh. you know, an offering right. Right, to have access to, to God. To a priest. To yeah. a priest. That's right. right. Via a priest. So, so it's different, right? So when, when Jesus came in, it basically, he broke, tore down the curtains. Interesting. And that then provided us direct access as well. So there is some parallel elements that we could learn from the Bible as well. Right, right. That's an interesting direction. That's not exactly the direction I was going. I was thinking of, you know, that part of what blockchain does, it eliminates the need for God because we don't need any source of truth. But you're saying kind of it, that that it, that it you know, you're taking the other direction, that maybe it, it reveals kind of a more direct access mm. to the truth because now the truth is available to everybody. I don't, I don't need to you know, blockchain is out there. That's a public ledger. Everybody can see it if they want to. Everybody can can pick it apart, 
whereas I can't access my bank's records. I don't right. know if they're keeping good records. I just trust them. Um, and we're seeing more companies being more transparent as, as well. They, they publish financial information, their strategies company-wide to their employees. And, uh-huh. and sometimes even among families as well, they're more transparent about you know, different things with their family members and that helps with uh, building more trust, uh, being more collaborative, in, in organizations and in families. So it, it's a unique thing that's happening right now, being more transparent. Where do you think that comes from? I mean, where, why is transparency a value in technology? Well, I think that, that over the years, people have been really good at hiding things ah, yeah. and, and sweeping things under the carpet. And, and, and technology has enabled the revelation, the revealing of things. I mean, ah. we've seen the, the Panama Papers, we've seen Cambridge Analytica, yeah. we've seen the revealing of um, different things, even in, with elections of certain countries as well. Sure. And with this revelation, the need for transparency becomes a collective cultural priority. Hmm. Yep. Wow, a collective cultural priority. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look, that's at, very true. Yeah, we we look at the, the financial crisis. It's because something someone was hiding someone the, the subprime mortgage. Right. And and then you've got other areas in politics where you know um, there was a hidden truth. Right. right. And 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 that even happens within the church as well. Right. Yeah. So the understanding of now we need to be more transparent, and that is a value that could inculcate trust, that in could inculcate a, a sense of uh, familiarity and, and I want to work with this organization I want to work for this government because they are transparent right then that becomes a, a factor that's a great that's a great uh, statement I mean and I I do think churches are you know even churches are becoming more transparent and that mm. it, it's a little bit maybe to our shame that 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 the culture has to say transparency is a value when when we ought to claim that I mean that I think comes from God's revelation God reveals himself and he believes in truth. He says he is the truth. And so this, this value for transparency, it seems to me it, it ha- must have some deep roots in the character of God mm. that, that that's why we might want it. Um, but like you say, we've all become really good at hiding things. Yeah. And I must give a caveat that transparency needs to come with um, the wisdom as well in sure. terms of revealing it and the timing as well. So, for example, Jesus didn't come in when he first <clears throat> recruited the twelve disciples and suddenly jump in and said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life." Right? You know, or or someone's going to betray me. You know, or I'm going to be at a cross. All these things came in its time as well um, yeah. as it is being revealed, and and that is where the the beauty of timing um, takes its place. That's that's mm. good. That that is a good caveat. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So. Um, you made an interesting suggestion that that basically blockchain is in its early stages, that it's going to kind of become maybe even the infrastructure by which a lot of the things that we do in the world occur over the next several decades. Um, are there any kind of uniquely ethical issues around blockchain or cryptocurrency? I was, I was trying to do a little bit of research and, and, um, found this this article published actually very recently by MIT's uh, publication called Technology Review. And uh, they referenced a Twitter poll that, that a researcher at Cornell had done asking if it's ethical in education to ask students um, to basically identify block 
identify vulnerabilities in live blockchains. Essentially, kind of, can you can you can you give your students an assignment to hack a blockchain, and is that ethical? Because what you're you're basically exposing all this currency, and and you know, two thirds of people said, sure, that's fine. Um, I, I'm not sure that's the best example of ethics in blockchain, but mm-hmm. what are there kind of some unique things that that come into play for for Christians that might be building this technology or or using it or building on top of it? Are there are there considerations that, that they should be thinking about? Well, technology many say is inherently neutral, but it comes from the spirit of those that create it and, right. and who uses it as well. Yeah, and and, and how it's moved. So I, I, Christians can be a bit more aware of how it works. For example, the the Nobel Peace Prize that we know came from Sir Alfred Nobel, who also invented the dynamite. Right. right? And then said, "Oh, I'm going to use what I've done to also then award people for their research in doing good." Yeah. So it really is the understanding of of how we use this technology in our hands and how we what mm. we take with it. Uh, but when it comes to the whole idea of, uh, oh, let's look into the technology and explore vulnerabilities, I think that's a good thing. Mm. It's a bit like um, white hat hacking, as sure. you say. So, yep. so ethical hackers, they look into vulnerabilities to strengthen the system. Right. And, and that can be encouraged in a controlled and informed environment. Mm. And of course, with the understanding of ethics and morality in place altogether. Now, blockchain really comes also from the ideology that code is law. And that's very interesting because blockchain becomes the base uh, layer and infrastructure for things. But now with technology, we now start to have to make ethical and moral discussions when it used to be conversations just in a lecture theater with a professor. Right. So, for example, um, if you were driving an uh, a self-driverless car, right? right? And that car uh, could potentially knock down children that were playing in the street or swerve to a position which would actually um, result in the death of its passenger. Right. So what would the car have to choose? Yeah. Right, the death of its passenger or the children on the street. Right. And the car would only then follow code. Mm. What is its primary motive? To right. protect the passenger or to protect the the young children on the street? Right. So, so these examples and and... I guess it's a combination of where blockchain and AI and other aspects of mobility comes in from a yeah. technology perspective. But decisions like that need to start being made beyond the classrooms into yep. the, the the roads uh, and other aspects of applications of society. Yeah. Code is law. Huh? Yeah. M- most developers would like that saying, you know, what is coded would be what is followed as well. Right. Mm. Right. Mm. That's got its own interesting implications. I mean, that code is law that can't be broken, right? I mean, it's perfect law in that's a right. way. But. That's right. And, and that's why you've got all these apocalyptic movies where, you know, robots were programmed right. to, to conserve the earth and then they realized that humans were destroying the earth. So yep. would that mean conserving earth would mean destroying humans? Right. So then all these uh, creative filmmakers come into play. And it's interesting because arts and creativity and films can be a predictor of where the future of the world yeah, will lead to. And, sure. and that can be a precursor for us to make better decisions for the earth that we live in. Yeah. Now, I was just watching a, a movie on a plane by an Australian a documentary filmmaker titled 2040. And it was mm. a story of how he would see his daughter in the year 2040. And if we took care of our earth from a climate change perspective, from the regeneration of foresting and sure. recycling and so on, it's just amazing. Wow. Um, well, how about for you personally, what's it been like being a Christian working in the area of finance and 
cryptocurrency technology any any just experiences you've had what's that been like i think personally it, it feels that i've got a bit more on my hands to, to think about right um if you if you go back into the days where um the israelites were in the desert and and some of them had the tools to develop the ark of the covenant which right. became a good symbol of, of hope and direction and within that same book or chapter itself a couple of chapters later, that same hands were used to make the golden calf, right? Which yeah. was actually then led to God's wrath upon the Israelites. Yeah. So it feels like oh, I've got I've got these tools on my hand as a technologist right now. You feel the burden of that, the the burden and the responsibility of that. But then that sense of excitement and hope as well. Yeah. On how we can make good and informed decisions uh, for literally the grandiose version of humanity. Sure. How can we see that there's hope in humanity? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and we talk all the time about, I mean, we I think we have a general positive view of technology at All Things New, that we think God gave us the capability to create technology, and we ought to, but then it's, we ought to do so responsibly, and we ought to do so thinking about implications and unforeseen consequences. So that's, it's encouraging for me to hear that you, um, you have kind of your eyes open, I think, mm-hmm. as you're working with technology, and that's, that's a great thing. Um, and, and I guess from your perspective as well, how do you see technology being used in, in your world? Yeah. Uh, as, as you have interviewed a number of people and in, in your professional role as well. Yeah, I think that I what, I what gets me really excited is when I hear about Christians in industries like yours who are thinking of their creation of technology with some type of theological lens. So um, that have in mind not so much... Um, even the kind of creation of Christian technologies, not that we should create like a blockchain Bible or something, or, you know, we should use blockchain to pray or, or those kinds of things, although those are very interesting. And I think absolutely people should pursue those things. But the kind of lane that really interests me is exactly what you just said, like Christians working in our culture, in these technologies, how can they be thinking about the theological impact these things have? And how can they be responsible about how they create the technology? And then down the line, us users, as we use technology, um, it changes us and it changes the way we think about ourselves. And so how can we be aware of that? And uh, maybe we need to stop using some technology that changes us in ways we ought not to be changed. Or maybe we should use technology in different ways so that we aren't changed. Um, So I... I think it's just kind of having the kingdom of God in mind, having that lens as we're creating and using and and it's so rare because technology the the kinds of fast moving things that we're that we're being exposed to you you just have to stop and take time to reflect and that's kind of what we're trying to do here um but it's it it doesn't come naturally and and an interesting point to make as well is that if you look back centuries ago and, and how we use technology right now for you know international communications internet interconnected payment networks you know yeah. and back then if you look at king solomon known as one of the wisest men in all of egypt and leaders of the east yeah. if he was to see what we do today he would literally think that we were like a god right right That's and in right. gamer term you'd be like god like to be able to to communicate across the world, to make transactions at a tap of a phone. Right. And and that's just, wow, are we actually looking at 
being like God? Are yeah. we creating a Tower of Babel 2.0? Yes. In yes. kind of the things that we are doing. Uh, but That's when we exactly look into right. to like the whole concept of being God-like, yeah. we actually see that in literally Jesus Christ because he was fully God and fully human at the same time. Yep. And if, if we look through his life and what he did, he actually did something amazing, counterculture. Yeah. He he came and humbled himself and be obedient and to put himself on the cross to yeah. die for us in yeah. humility. Yeah. And that's just really against, you know, the whole concept of winner takes all, blitz scale to the next level, right. first move advantage. Yep. Uh, but through weakness, through humility, showed us and led by example what it meant to being fully God and feeling being human. Uh, human to actually serve others yeah and that's a point that we can take here yeah i mean i the the thing that interests me about what you're saying is that a lot of the bible talks about that we ought to become more like god you know i mean second peter says that we uh we we partake of the divine nature as we grow in maturity so we actually do become godlike in a sense although when when the scripture talks about that it's 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 referring, I think, mostly to our characters, to our character, but but our, our capabilities do a, increase, like they have over time. Like you say, we have these godlike powers, but then it's the power combined with the love and the humility. And that's that's the combination that Jesus displays and that God himself displays. And so I think that's the other concern for me. We're we're developing these godlike powers, and in a sense, we we have to become better to use them well we we have to grow not just in our capabilities but in our character as as a as a human people as we you know and christians i think have a have a calling to encourage that and to lead the way in that and and it's a fair question to ask whether we're doing that Mm. or not that's right and and in the ultimate sense god is love and that's what we've learned right and and being of faith or not love really is the ultimate aim and that's why sometimes we live and, and breathe as well. Yeah. And yeah. even the the most well-known technologists out there also do say that that no matter what, it is love. I mean, you've got right. Jack Ma and Kai Fu Lee and AI experts and the different folks all said that no matter how much progress you make, what is more important is love. Right. And whether you love one another, you love your neighbors yourself and you love God. That's amazing. Yeah, so from cryptocurrency and Bitcoin and uh, blockchain to love. thats thats <laughs> It all comes back to that. Well, um, I always like to kind of wrap up my podcast with, with asking the same two questions. And I know you've listened to some of them, but the first thing is um, to ask really what makes you excited. I mean, you've made reference to the fact that you think blockchain is going to be a big part of of our world moving forward. And, and, and maybe it has nothing to do with the blockchain, but what what excites you as you think about where technology is going? Yeah, I, I think blockchain, uh, blockchain or technology in general makes life more convenient mm. from commuting to communications. Life is just going to be better in terms of our quality of life. Right. Uh, there's also more connectedness. You know, we can do more, see more, achieve more, love more. Yeah. Um, and there's also the extension of our capabilities. Uh-huh. And that allows us to do feats that we may not have thought possible. You right. Know, going to space, living in the sea, just doing things that can really stretch our human abilities. 
and, and that's what I'm really excited about. I'm I'm excited for my now nine month old baby right. girl Eloise. Uh, if she listens to this podcast years from now, sure, she may not need to have a driver's license. She may just she doesn't need to have multiple cards in her wallet to to make payment for different things. Right. You know, she, she could live in a different world right now through the wonders of you know convenience. Who knows what world she'll live in? Capabilities, yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's great. Then the the corollary question is that is what 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 scares you i mean obviously technology can hurt a lot of people and it can be used for damaging effects what scares you as you think about where technology is going yeah and and I, i've enjoyed your podcast i've put some thought into it the, 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 what, what excited me with the three c's this is uh, another three c's oh man um, it's just like a sermon <laughs> i don't know blockchain maybe you need to be a pastor all this alliteration <laughs> So, so technology can make life more conflicted as well because we yeah. need to make more conscious decisions on ethics and morality and we've had a bit of discussion on that. It also makes things competitive because mm. competition can create zero-sum games and jobs can be developed and lost. You know, right. It's a conversation about how AI solves the jobs that are dull, dirty and dangerous. Sure. But beyond that as well, you know, some people could really well uh, lose their livelihoods. Yeah, that's right. And technology can make things challenging as well. You know, we have to start to make better decisions on how to raise our families, giving access to data to our government and to service providers and how we can just do with technology better. So yeah. it can be conflicting, competitive and challenging. Wow. Mm. Great thoughts and, and alliteration to boot. So that's that, that's impressive. Well, thank you, Jason. It's been really fun to talk to you. Really, uh, it's been good for me to kind of catch up and learn a little bit about cryptocurrency in the first place and really fascinating themes so thanks for being thank here thank you and i think we could continue to dive deeper as well and and i'm really appreciative that there is out there all things new.tech working on really the leading edge of technology and understanding how it intersects with our faith as well so we need more people like you paul thank, thank you. you so much hopefully that'll happen thank you all right thank you for listening to all things new.tech we hope you continue the conversation by subscribing to our blog at allthingsnew.tech. We have a variety of authors working together to develop a biblical framework for engaging with technology. Check it out. Join the conversation.